morning, church. Hey, man, I'm so glad that you're here today. The family of God gathered in one place, lifting up the holy name of Jesus Christ for all that he's done for us. Uh, Thank you for being here today to share in the journey. Not only do we have the Spirit within our hearts, but we've got each other on each side of us as we go through the joys of life and the difficulties of life as well. What a joy to be a part of the family of God. And if you're a guest with us today, we want to say welcome. We're truly honored that you're here with us. Thanks for joining us. And our hope, of course, would be if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to be a part of our Crosspoint family here as we dive into the story of Jesus Christ, the hope that this world has. We want the world to know the joy that we have, the peace that we have uh, in Jesus Christ. And we invite you into helping share that story in the various ways that you might have gift sets that you can give back to God. There are numerous ways to get involved. You can check the bulletin to find out different ways to be involved in ministry. One of those is on the stage here. It's already been kind of talked about today, but as we partner with GPISD and help kids get back to school uh, using some supplies maybe they couldn't afford along the way, we love joining with families to help them uh, accomplish that. And you graciously have donated supplies and money to make sure that that happens. Uh, We're thankful for Peggy, for Tana, and the whole crew that kind of helped design this and put this together, Uh, and also for um, feeding some of our teachers lunch uh, last week in this building. But uh, what a joy to jump in and help people journey in their own life. Uh, Cale mentioned also that our Connect Group tables are set up out there, and I want to remind you that is our teaching element here at Crosspoint. Uh, And so if you want to get deeper into the Word of God, if you want to get to know people a little bit better, if you want to be prayed over as you work through life together and have some fun along the way too, you need to be a part of a connect group. It is an expectation of our leadership here that every member of Crosspoint would be involved in a connect group uh, in some way. They meet uh, pretty much any day of the week, uh, Sunday through Thursday. And so those are options in there that hopefully you'll fit into your schedule. You can see uh, there are different groups out there led by different people, teaching different material. And so find one, get plugged in, get to know some people, dig into the Word of God, and uncover how God wants to bless you in your life. Now, we're in the third week right now in Romans, and so I hope you've got your Bibles this morning. We'll be in Romans chapter 3. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Our text will be on the screen, uh, because we're going to look at a paramount text this morning, a paragraph that can and will change your life if you let it. There are moments in your life where you have maybe experienced or given an undeserved kindness. Uh, You know those moments have come to your mind right now. You remember being on the other end of a moment where uh, someone did something wrong to you. you. You know they're guilty, they've offended you in some way, but you made a decision at that moment to be more like Jesus and you forgave You reached out, you granted mercy and grace. Maybe it was the other end of the equation. You really were harmful to someone else, uh, and they extended that to you, and you felt what it meant like to have kindness in your life, grace, mercy, forgiveness. Uh, There's a movie that came out in 2014. Many of you may have seen it called Unbroken. It's a story of a prisoner of war by the name of Louis Zamperini. Uh, He uh, was fighting in the... uh, the South Pacific was taken prisoner and spent two years in Japan in a prisoner of war camp during World War II. Uh, and his interaction there with the sergeant in the camp uh, is told uh, in the course of this movie. Now, all the prisoners called this particular Japanese uh, NCO the bird. That's what they named him. Uh, and even his own compadres did not like the way that he treated prisoners. He was not a nice person to be around. 
And so Louis, all through his two-year tenure in this prisoner of war camp, is uh, berated and tortured by this one particular person. We're going to watch a small clip from the first moment they meet. Let's watch. You are enemies of Japan. You will be treated accordingly. Look at me. Look me in the eye. That type of treatment went on for Louis over the next two years of his imprisonment. Even worse things than what you just witnessed. Louis hated the bird. He despised him. He wanted to get back at him. But the war finally came to a close in 1945, and Louis went back home to America where he discovered Jesus Christ, who changed his heart, changed his life, turned it all around. He began to live life like Jesus would want him to live life. He understood the meaning of forgiveness because he'd received that in his own life, and he began to exhibit signs of looking a whole lot like Jesus. As a matter of fact, in 1952, he made a trip back to Japan to try to find the bird. He wanted to sit across the table from him and offer forgiveness, grace, and mercy. To to have an exchange, if you will. To let the bird know that Jesus was someone that could change his life as well. Of course, that meeting never happened. The bird wanted nothing to do with that meeting. But the point is, is that clearly this was a man who was guilty of some wrong. And clearly, Louis made a decision to look more like Jesus and extend an unmerited, undeserved kindness to someone. And in our story, as we look at it on an epic spiritual level, we too find ourselves in that boat. We are also guilty of doing wrong against our Creator. And yet, He extends to us an unmerited, undeserved Kindness, a favor, if you will. Now, remember Paul here, he's sending this letter to a church located in the capital of the world, if you will, in Rome, Italy. It's a town of about a million people. Uh, And in this town, it's a very polytheistic culture. They worship many gods. They're very inclusive in their lifestyle, and they're very hedonistic, meaning they live for the day, they live for pleasure, they live for the moment. And if you can't bring me pleasure, I don't need you, I don't want anything to do with you. And they also, by the way, hate Christians. Paul is talking to a group of people who are first-generation Christians. They have no New Testament to look at and study. They have no examples from their ancestors on how to look like Jesus. The only thing they have is the story of Christ and to look more and more like him each and every day. The text that we're going to look at today, if you've got your Bible, I want to encourage you to circle it, 
highlight it, underline it, whatever you need to do, because this paragraph, Martin Luther says, is the point of the entire Bible, not only this letter. It is the reason that we are who we are in Christ Jesus. And so let's read our text, and then we'll begin to pick it apart a little bit this morning. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Paul says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just and declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Church, that deserves an amen. Amen. I'm saying this changes our life. It turns everything around. It tells Satan, not today, Satan. You're not getting me today because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Paul even goes back all the way to the Old Testament and the law. He says the prophets and all of the law even point toward this perfect gift of Jesus Christ, this perfect Lamb of God. It is everything that history has hinged itself on. And here we have it within ourselves, and we can follow him. You see, righteousness is something that is given to us. It is not earned. And Paul reminds us that each and every one of us are in the same boat. All of us are in need of Jesus Christ, every single one of us, because we all deal with different things in our own life. Maybe, maybe in our life, we, we deal with an addiction of some kind, maybe drugs or alcohol, maybe pornography, maybe the need for the spotlight to be on me, but we all have something that is a temptation in our life, something that we deal with. Maybe it's a prejudice in your life. And we have seen that over the last few months, maybe it's even last week, and it is horrific how our nation is tearing each other apart. That does not look like Jesus Christ. We're called to love one another no matter our skin color, our culture, where we come from. That's what God calls us to in his son. Maybe it's lust of the eyes that you deal with. Maybe it's the pride of life that you deal with. Maybe it's your own self-righteousness, feeling like you've done enough to earn God's favor and no one else really has. Maybe it's self-centeredness in your life. Maybe you struggle with anger issues. Maybe each one of us, if we were honest with ourselves, would come to the realization, as Paul tells us, that each and every one of us need Jesus Christ. We all do. Then Paul, in the beginning of our text, verse 21, he says two words. Circle those words in your text if you have a Bible. He says, 
but now. But now. Two beautiful words. Because you see, for 64 verses prior to those two words, for chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul is putting the entire human race on trial. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Greek, if you're black or white, if you're slave or free, male or female, it doesn't matter. Each and every one of us are guilty. Paul marches through the proof in that in those first three chapters. He's making it clear that each and every one of us are lost, that we are unrighteous, that in fact we are guilty for disobeying God and the life he's called us to, that in fact none of us are enough. There's nothing we can do in our life, no amount of stacking up of religious acts that would make me right before God. And so then in verse 21, Paul says, oh, but wait, but now. That transition is beautiful. See, before he gives us good news, he's got to remind us of why we need the good news. He wants to set up the the story, if you will, so we will all buy into the idea and understand the importance of knowing Jesus Christ personally in our life. It's so important that we understand the hope that we have in Christ. Uh, Many of you know that uh, I served in the Air Force uh, and during Desert Storm, which uh, I'm very proud of my time there. I'm glad I got to serve my country. I never wanted uh, to... To look at anyone and say, look, I live here for free. No, I actually served. I wanted to be able to do that. And the medals in my medal in the uh, shadow box are from Desert Storm. It was uh, a joy to serve my country at that time. Many of you also know that I was a cargo specialist, meaning I packed parachutes, tied everything together, kind of threw stuff out the back of a C-130. It was a lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, and I, I could sit on the tarmac, I could sit in the hangar, and I could show you how to pack a parachute. A G12, I could swim that thing into the container. I could show you how to tie it all down with parachute cord. I could show you where the little booklet is that you have to sign so that if something does go wrong, they know who to come find. (laughs) No one ever had to come find me. I was hiding really good. (laughs) And that explanation might have been extremely boring to you as I sit there and show you about the parachute and what all it tells and how it could save your life, how it helps things get to the ground safely. All that could be boring to you, but let's change the venue for just a minute. And let's say that we're several hundred feet above the ground. And let's say I look at you and say, look, we've got two engines on fire. This plane is definitely going down. And you get your phone out and you begin texting those that are closest to you to let them know how much you care for them, how much you love them. But I interrupt the text to say, hey, I've got an extra parachute for you. Would you like it? Oh, that's a game changer, isn't it? I mean, it was a dire, hopeless situation initially, but now there's hope on the horizon. And when we look at our own spiritual lives, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. We were living in a hopeless and dire situation, and Jesus Christ came into the picture, and now we have hope. Man, what a beautiful picture God has created for us. And then Paul gets to this moment in verse 21, and he says, But now, oh, the hope arrives on the scene. And Paul says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without 
keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It doesn't matter where you find yourself, how large or small your bank account is, what side of town you live on, what your skin color might be, what grade level you might be in. God doesn't care. He loves you anyway. He sent his son for you anyway. And Paul says there is a righteousness apart from what you can do. There's a righteousness apart from the information you can just learn. It's the righteousness that is given to you as a gift. Think about that word righteousness just for a moment. Think of it as the idea of a proof of worth or or a proof of value. My youngest son, Garrett, he is in his senior year at Oklahoma State University. Go Pokes. I had to throw that in there. He's finishing up, but he wants to go on to uh, physical therapy, and uh, he's got to get his doctorate for that. He's got to go to a different school, so he's got his application in at three or four different schools. But in order to do that, he knew that was coming, and so he's kept the GPA up really high. He's uh, been involved in student government. He's been involved with the homecoming committee on campus. He's done outreach to the church and his fraternity. He's done lots of things, job shadowing for PT. He's put all that together in a package, and he's sent that off to these schools that he wants to go to as proof of value, proof of worth. Hopefully this tells you that I will be able to keep the grades up. I'll be able to study hard. I'm a good, rounded individual. I'm going to make, some, I'm going to make you proud as a school if I can come and graduate from there. The job resume is much the same thing. You put together a job resume and you send it to that company you want to work for, that dream job, and on it you list your education, your work experience. You may put some personal information on there, things about your hobbies, there are references involved. You're putting together a package to tell the company, I'm someone worth hiring. Think about what God has done for us as proof of worth. Paul has made the case that none of us are righteous in our own efforts, and over time, many people have tried. Paul has spent the first two or three chapters of Romans sending out the rejection letter that none of us are good enough, that we actually need something else in our life to make us worthy. And so in verse 21, Paul says, but now, God has made you worthy and valuable through his son. And we could go through and we could list all the requirements of other world religions that, that tell you you've got to do X, Y, and Z in order to have salvation, X, Y, and Z in order to be perfect, to reach nirvana, to, to reach enlightenment. You've got to do these things. But Christianity is a little bit different. Following Christ is different. It's special. It's unique. Because it says that salvation cannot be earned, it is something given to you by God. It is a blessing in your life. You see, it's not about what you have to do, but it's about what's already been done. Already been done for you on that cross. And then conquering death with that open and empty grave reminds us that Jesus Christ has conquered everything And everything is in submission underneath him. And I want to serve a Lord and master that has already conquered everything. 
In verse 22, Paul reminds us that through faith in Christ, we get this gift that it's good for all who believe. And then he turns right around in verse 23 and says that all of us are in need of Christ because we've all fallen short of that gift. And the gift that God has for each and every one of us is true and accurate for every single person in this room. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've found yourself in the past, God will forgive where you have been and make you a son and daughter of his when you believe in Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of you have ever played wiffle ball before. Anybody played wiffle ball? Raise your hand. Thank you. A lot of fun. Uh, Easy game to learn. Uh, Typically, typically, no one gets hurt. It's a pretty easy game to play. But uh, 20 years in youth ministry, you know, you try to always one-up the game and try to figure out a nuance, a new way to do things. And and so we created this game uh, when I was in youth ministry called Shaving Cream Wiffle Ball. I know, believe me, it's exciting as it sounds. The pitcher has the wiffle ball and fills it up with shaving cream. He pitches, he or she pitches the ball. Of course, the batter hits the ball. Shaving cream goes everywhere. And by the end of the game, everyone looks like this. <laughs> shaving cream is on everybody. And of course, it devolves. And by the very end of the game, it's just a big shaving cream fight. And everybody has a lot of fun. But sin is like this in our life. No one is going to leave the game without shaving cream on you. And God through Paul, reminds us that in our own life, no one is unguilty. No one is not guilty. No one is good enough on their own. Each and every one of us need Jesus Christ in our life. Even the prophet Isaiah, back in chapter 64 of Isaiah, he says, even your worship acts are like filthy rags in front of God. Why is that? is because we come at it with the wrong motive many times. That we come with a sense of pride, arrogance. I'm a little better than you because I've attended here forever or I've been at more church meetings than anyone else or I've read through the Bible X number of times and we have to be careful or we become arrogant. And then in verse 24, Paul says, yet God with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. One version says that we are justified by grace. You've probably heard that word justified or justification before in church culture. It is one of the most precious ideas in all of Scripture. It is incredibly endearing to you and I as followers of Christ. You see, when we are saved, God does something initially. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, the moment you surrender to him as your Lord and Savior, God changes our status from guilty to not guilty. Everything within our lives that is wrong, that is not in line with God, is taken away and placed on Jesus Christ and his righteousness, his goodness is placed on us. Our status is totally different. And he looks at the shed blood of Christ and he sees the perfect ending to the story. He sees the perfect work, the perfect sacrifice, his perfect son. 
And his act covers all of our sins, past, present, and future. We are justified until, even while we are sinners. As we, we move along in life and we find ourselves continuing to fall short, the Greek tells us that it's an ongoing process. That yes, we will continue to not meet God's expectations, but equally God's grace and mercy is ongoing as well. And it covers our sin in the moment. And we are declared righteous before God, our judge, because Christ has paid the price for our sin. It's just that simple, church. Jesus Christ has done everything for you and for me to have a relationship with our Creator. He's taken away any barrier that might have been in place. But not only that, it's also God giving us the riches that are available through Jesus Christ as well. He's given us the perfection of Jesus while Jesus takes on our imperfections so that while he looks at me, he doesn't see Tim. He doesn't see the thousands of mess-ups in my life. He doesn't see my problems. What he sees when he looks at me, because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, he sees his son, Jesus Christ. And it seems unfair in the process, doesn't it? As you read the story, you're thinking, why? I mean, it's, it's kind of like getting to go to your, your favorite college based on someone else's ACT score and their resume. You, you get in because of someone else's work. Or maybe you, you land that dream job that you've always wanted based on someone else's immaculate, sparkling resume. Not yours, but someone else's. The bank gives you a loan based on someone else's credit score and their billion-dollar bank account. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But the truth is, God loves you so much that he did everything to get you back to him. Verse 25, we're reminded that God bought our justification with the blood of his son. And at this point in, in the letter, the Jews that are in this church, things would have started clicking with them. They would have started putting two and two together as you talk about a blood sacrifice. There's this thing in Leviticus chapter 16 called the Day of Atonement in Jewish culture. It's one day of the year, and the Jewish calendar and our modern calendar are a little different, but for us, the Day of Atonement could fall in September or October, somewhere in there, depending on the year. The high priest has two goats that are brought to him, and in the tabernacle area, one of those goats is killed, a blood sacrifice, for all of the sins of the nation of Israel, not just one person or family, but all of the sins of the nation And it goes up as a sin offering, a burnt offering. The other goat is taken outside the city gate. He lays his hands on the head of that goat. And he pronounces the guilt of all of the sins of the nation are now resting on the goat. And they release the goat out into the wilderness. It's where we get the word scapegoat. When we're trying to blame someone else for something we've done. That's where this comes from. And that seems a little archaic, it seems a little strange as we hear those words, until we get to John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, we find ourselves in the wilderness with John the Baptist, who is in the water, baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins, and he looks up on the bank of the river, walking in the wilderness, and he sees Jesus Christ, 
And he points his finger at Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. Jesus Christ, the scapegoat for me and for you. He took the blame while we reap the reward. Not only is Jesus' righteousness given to us, but our guilt is given to Jesus. And we're reminded in the letter to Corinth that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and he says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Wow. Jesus was punished as if he had done everything that you had done, and we are rewarded as if we had done everything right that Jesus had done. Paul says in chapter 6 that the wages of sin is death. But church, we've been granted life. We have been given life in the Savior. Think about that for a moment in your own world. You think about Jesus Christ who came down from heaven, from the heavenly throne, living as God of the universe to walk on this earth for some 33 years, to walk in the dust with his creation, to see how we live one with another, to experience that for himself, to eventually find himself being hanging on a cross for the things that you have done and I have done. What a beautiful story of love. What a beautiful kindness that's been extended to you and to me. And if Jesus Christ literally gave up everything for you, what is holding you back from surrendering everything to him? Wow. What a beautiful story of love, church. We have been forgiven. We have a new lease on life. We have the ability to live with our Heavenly Father forever because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. What a joy that we should have each and every day as we live our life out in full surrender to Him, offering kindness, compassion, mercy to those around us, just like we have experienced in our own life. And that's the challenge this morning as I invite the praise team back to the stage. Our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room as we sing this song. And my guess is, maybe for some of us this morning, right where you sit is an opportunity just to reconcile yourself and to move back into a lifestyle of surrender because of what God's done for you through his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe there are some speed bumps in your life. There's something going on that you you need to move past some guilt that hammers you from the past. Go and see one of our shepherds during the singing of this song so they can pray with you and over you. My hope is that the Spirit will come into your heart and change everything for you today. Let's stand and sing together.